Welcome to the Alpine Ski Racing Podcast. The way I describe it is, you know, until you're a, a U14 or a U12, you are learning to love how to ski. That's the yeah. first third, is learning the love of skiing and getting yeah. as much as possible, hopefully learning some good skills along the way by watching some good people, but it's all about love. And then the high school years, the you know, my GMBS years, was all about learning how to ski properly. So it's it's not even that much. It's just learning the love of skiing until you're 12, and then it's learning how to ski until you're 18, and then it's learning how to win. That was Doug Lewis. Many of you will know him from his work as a commentator on NBC Sports and all the reiterations of the channels before that. You'll also know that Doug is a two-time Olympian and a bronze medalist from the Bormio World Championships. Doug is also the founder of Elite Team Training, and we're going to be going over a lot of the things that they do with younger athletes today. So I hope you enjoy. Doug, so when I wound up coming to GMBS, um, you know, you were on the U.S. ski team. You were an elite performer, but not only in skiing, but in soccer and music, if I recall. Yeah, I played a little cello and piano and in that theater. Singing and dancing. Can't believe it. Yeah, but didn't you play for, the, like, the White House? Uh, no, I mean, I, I played with the Vermont Symphony a little bit. Um, okay. But um, it was, you know, just one of the things that my parents got me going and instilled in me. So it was it was part of my world, that's for sure, the music right. side. So I guess my question is, uh, I mean, you're known for the bronze medal in Bormio. Um but in soccer, you were a high-end performer. Did you yourself tend to do everything at high-end levels, or was it just you found a couple of niches? Um, I think um, I was always just one of those people that um, was open to a challenge, was open to anything, to try anything. And then once I got into it, I wanted to be the best at it. And um, it's a competitive spirit. It's a... It's a a work ethic, which we'll talk about for sure later on. It is um, a little bit of perfectionism um, balanced with um, an an acceptance of of failure and knowing that falling flat on your face 10 times is going to get you that 11th time that it works. So I just have this brain that works um, for me um, just all the time and my brain, um, as I'm 54 years old now, I'm like, I'm, I somehow I got to get out of the race. But my brain is one of those that I'm always in the race, always trying to find a better way, always trying to find the most efficient way, always trying to do it differently. And that's uh, one thing that's I think helped me be successful is is just trying to find that better way uh, to do it and never giving up. Right. Right. Now. Um... When, when you're watching World Cup and you're watching Marcel and uh, Michaela train, do you see that type of an attitude where they're always taking things apart? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I believe it, bigger than their physical uh, fitness and physical prowess is their hard work and their work ethic. They have goals. They have dreams. I've never been afraid of, of – um, setting high goals and that's what I teach at elite team 
Mm. Um, but once you set that goal and make it real by writing it down, by sharing it, and then committing to it, um, these guys are the people that uh, commit to it and will work hard, will do everything it takes to get to those goals. And and a little bit of – a lot of it is part of their nature for sure. Right. But um, coaches, parents, teammates um, all have a way of bringing that out and, and helping them, the people on their teams. But it definitely starts with the athlete. Um, I've been coaching kids 27 years with elite team, and I'm still at a loss of whether you're born competitive or you can, or it's something that you can make. I'm leaning towards your born competitive, but that doesn't mean a coach cannot bring that out in a kid, uh, a kid who may not outwardly be competitive. I think you can find the motivation um, give you know do a little research with that kid as a coach and you can find what will motivate them to be competitive so it takes a competitive spirit to ignite that motivation mm-hmm. and to set goals and then to work hard for them and you know quite frankly I do a lot of speaking to parents and you know if your kid is not motivated to pursue those goals. If, if that kid is not uber competitive, which is okay, yeah, you you just have to accept that. And guess what, parents? That kid's not going to be a Marcel Hirscher. It's not going to be a Schiffrin, and that's okay. But you, the, it's in the kid, and that's what a lot of parents and coaches fail to realize. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, um, you know, my whole – philosophy or not philosophy but you know a thing that i use with a lot of parents is everybody is trying to take the horse to water and that doesn't work the trick is getting the horse thirsty if you're riding a horse and he's thirsty he's going back to the barn he will find a way he or she will find a way to succeed to get to the water um i am of the belief that you can cultivate it you just need to take a step back and figure out what's important for the kid um it's it's funny when you've been talking about um parents yeah. and, and i'd like to get into the shifrin hersher family dynamics with you because um a little bit later on because that's that's what i'm running into with some parents right now and i'm like you know they've got the kids have to have fun but Figuring out what makes it work for them, that's the most important thing. Well, just on a side note, and I know Eileen and Michaela went to Elite Team, and I've known them for a long time. Uh, And I say this a little bit in jest, but actually, quite honestly, Schifrin, you know, Eileen might be the worst thing that ever happened to junior ski racing because now all the parents think that the way to do it is to be Eileen. Number one, Eileen's special. She has a ski background. Um, and she has the time and the, the money and the, mm-hmm. the freedom to do what she did with Michaela. And number two, she has Michaela, and Michaela is a special kid who would rather do a drill than eat pie. She'd rather sleep than go out at night. She is a focused individual. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, the dad, Jeff, also in play, and that is a, that is a thousand variables that all lined up uh, together to make a superstar. 
But the problem is all these parents out there think, oh, I'll just, you know, coach my kid. I'll get her the advantages and, and we'll do, we'll go to Burke and we'll do this and it'll work out. And that's, that's not the way it happens. It happens for Hirscher. It happens for Christofferson. It happens, um, for Schifrin, a little bit to Vaughn, a little bit with her dad. Um, but the majority of superstars, Doug Lewis came from a family who volunteered on the hill. My, Mom was a ski instructor. My dad was a scientist. Um, David David Chudunsky. Um, just there's more people opposite of what Schifrin's and Hirscher's done in being well, successful than that. So Schifrin is a is one way to do it, but it's one of one percent. So that's you know me trying to say that back off parents. It's it's the Eileen thing is very special. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, actually, I have a whole thing about uh, the parents because right now, when you look at Christofferson and Hersher and, and the Schifferns, who I don't know, um, I have a little bit of the insight in the Hersher group. Um, you and I, I think, know thousands of parents, uh, athletes, situations that didn't work and went up in flames and their yeah. relationships. Yeah. have been a disaster. Disaster. Uh, I mean, the worst situations. And, um, you know, I in coaching, I, I personally have not had any problems with parents. I haven't had any problems with athletes that I haven't been able to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fear when I went out to the California National Champion or State Championships for U10s, is I got to listen on the sidelines with all the parents and they need this. They need this. Jimmy needs this. Mike needs this. And I'm like, he's a U10. Yeah. You need to have some fun here and let them find their own way. Yeah. Um, the way I describe it is, you know, until you're a, a U14 or a U12, you are learning to love how to ski. That's the yeah. first third is learning the love of skiing and getting yeah. as much as possible hopefully learning some good skills along the way by watching some good people, but it's all about love. And then the high school years, the, you know, my GMBS years was all about learning how to ski properly. So it's, it's not even that much. It's just learning the love of skiing until you're 12 and then it's learning how to ski until you're 18. And then it's learning how to win. Right. And if you win guaranteed, if you win at 10, unless you're shifting, uh, you're going to be back of the pack. In fact, it's a curse to win until you're 16. A curse. Uh, I um, couldn't agree more. I, if I had a kid, I want my kid to be fourth to 11th placing until they were 17 or 18. That means they're hungry. That means they're working hard. That means they still got the fire and they will sacrifice everything if they have the competitive spirit and then they'll start to win. So yeah. those are the three phases. Love, then learning, then how to win. Yeah, that's that's awesome, awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, speaking of your elite camps, um, I've got to watch them over Facebook, and they just look awesome and a bunch of fun. Um, what was your reasoning to start the elite camps? Well, basically, you know, if you look at me, um, two-time Olympian, bronze medals in the world championships. I am not the physical specimen of a, of a Lindsey Vaughn or a Bodie Miller. I, you know, I'm, I'm a great athlete. I'm pretty agile and coordinated, but I'm not, I'm not the super athlete. And so the reason I was successful was 
um, maybe 30% of my physical ability, right, 20% physical, physical ability, 30% ski technique, and then 50% my mind. And so everybody, what I've found is everybody does lip service. Oh, we have a sports psychology program. We talk about the mental side of sports, but they don't. And so I wanted to pass along the fact that um, the most important part is that mental side. So we started a lead team to um, develop complete athletes. That means physically developed, mentally developed, and with a focus also on nutrition. And okay. So everything we do has all the components, which I think is lacking out there. And so it's when you wake up, what you eat on a training day, whether you're at GMVS or some, you know, Cochrane ski area or some other thing, you know, it's, the coaches in the program should really be focused on that complete athlete. When you wake up, what you get to eat and drink before you get to training, what you do when you get there, stretching, or is your equipment all in order and organized? Are you the first one out there so you can take advantage of an early opening lift instead of being that person, which I see that they come in their jeans, they take 45 minutes to get their boots on, they get out there to train. And then every run, the coach and the athlete should be, there's a, there's a visualization aspect, a breathing aspect, a visual, uh, um, uh, going over the course, mm-hmm. um, the training run at full speed or whatever you're focused on at the finish, they should reflect and evaluate that run, figure out if it was a good thing, a bad thing, what they learn, and then get on that list. And, and so training becomes something that is focused, planned, and a lot. Uh, and then you'll get something out of it. And it goes into your perfect term progression about uh, reflection and, and goal setting and everything. So, yeah, making making training more than just doing runs, and that's through what through the paces. And at elite team, that's what we try to do. So if they're running an obstacle course at the start. The start coaches, how many red gates? How many blue gates? Give me the order. What color shirt are is one coach wearing? You know, get them mentally involved in the game and thinking. You know, after the run, what'd you learn? What was the good part? What was the bad part? What are you going to try next time? And so that complete athlete focus is what elite team is all about. Right, right. No, that's awesome because I couldn't agree more with the habit. You know, 90% of your training is before you ever touch the snow. Um, What are you working on today? What are we going for? What, What do I need to just get out of today? Um, that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing, the only thing I would, it sounds like a, a, a really boring, but the next thing or the just as important at a leaking is yeah. the high energy and fun. The coaches yeah. have to be involved and engaged with those athletes. They're not standing at the side of the hill saying one more run. The coaches, when possible, are running the courses. Uh, the coaches are engaged. They, they know each uh, athlete's skill level, goal level, mental level, mm-hmm. and that way they can engage and challenge each athlete individually. And it right. doesn't become homogenized milk. It's almost one-on-one in a group. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, now, when you talk about, you know, the elite camp and getting the kids up and how they breakfast and that kind of stuff, yeah. do you have a 
schedule or routine to camp that you impart on them to build habits of doing the same thing every day? It's, it's almost, it's almost scary. If I'm at the dining hall, I'll say, chew your food and they'll all yell 10 times. There are, <laughs> you know, you know, dig deep. We have these sayings. We have these yeah. routines. We have the culture. We've, we've built a culture actually. And, uh, it's really fun for us to see because it takes work to, to do it every day and every time. But once you have that culture of hard work and focus, and if you're late, one minute, you're 10, you're 10 push-ups. You're late five minutes, that's 50 push-ups. And boy, right. we don't have late people. And it's, yeah. it's that culture that you build as a coach in an organization that the kids need and the kids want it. And that's what I found. Yeah, I found they crave it. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. looking for the trick. They're looking for, okay, you know, eat this. This is good for yeah. you. Why? Yeah. Well, yeah. here's why. And that's that's a that's a big part. I think one of the reasons why um, Craig Sarby and I uh, came up with the lead team is that, you know, when you're on a ski team or a flashback to GMBF even yeah. in 1970s, you know, they're like, okay, we're doing hill sprints, and we would just do them because that's what they said. As an athlete, I was the kind of athlete is tell me why, and we yeah. explain that on the lead team a lot. Like, why would stronger legs specifically help you as a ski racer? Now, if I know that if I work on my legs and do tuck jumps or some, you know, leg routines, yeah. that I'm going to be able to handle the rest more or hold a tighter line because I'm stronger, then I'm going to do it. That's going to motivate me. Actually, this hill sprint is going to make me a better skier, then, then I'll do it. So explaining why to the kids you're doing all this stuff really is important as well. Making the horse thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! If I eat vegetables instead of this, I'm gonna win. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> or at least it is with my kind of mental, uh, mental aspect. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think I think we're kind of mirroring each other here. Yeah. Um, in in that, let me ask you the one thing that that you know when I'm at Hood with the camps and stuff, the one habit, and it's because it's exciting and it's social and everything. Yeah. Is Getting the kids' batteries recharged and getting them to understand, dude, you, you yeah. need to shut it down so you can hammer it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, how do you address that at camp? Uh, 9, 9 p.m., lights out. If you're talking, that's funny. In the old days, if you were talking after 9, you had to do, you know, a morning run or something earlier. We always do a morning run, but they had to get up earlier. And they wanted to do that. So now if they're, if they're caught talking after 9 p.m., they're cleaning toilets. And, boy, that is motivation. No yeah. kid wants to clean toilets. So um, <laughs> it is it's having that culture of lights out at 9, whatever works for wherever you are. You probably have to go to bed earlier out hood because you're up at 5. But, um, you know, it's, it's the culture. It's explaining what happens. And it's, it's, it's being hard the first night. You can always get easier. But it's that first couple nights that you have to hammer those kids and and uh, make it part right. of the culture. Right, right. Um, yeah, along along those lines with sleep, what? How do you deal with um, as a coach? And this is just a, a side. How do you do yeah. deal with electronics? Um, lead team is electronics free. No phone. Um, no Kindles, no, they can bring books, but, um, it's a detach. And I, I read in your thing about, you know, it is a different age and you're going to have to deal with it. But, um, 
I have a feel. I because I've been doing it so long. Once yeah. the once the kids, and this is maybe more about getting away from the parents than than electronics. But the mm-hmm. kids, the kids, two days into a five day camp, become different kids when they're cut off from the outside electronics and parents. They yes. become kids that are open. They're not distracted. They're focused on the on the schedule. They're focused on what's up because all that external um, distractions are taken away. So right. I'm, you know, until I learn more, I'm the guy, you've got to get that phone away from that kid. I like having a lot of input, like you say, because they like input, but yeah. you need to free their, their minds up so they're focused on the task at hand and electronics should be banned from the ski hill for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. That That's really awesome. Uh, a lot of opinions out there on it, you know, it's trying a lot of the parents want to have it so they know when to pick them up and this and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so but, funny. Uh, they're like, we hear from parents, well, what if my kid gets hurt? I'm like, I'm running the camp. What do you think I'm going to do to not call you? <laughs> like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, it, you know, camp, you know, we were where uh, camp, uh, other camps out there, and so we've all been addressing the problem. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah we take the camp, the, the phones at night. Well, what happened was a bunch of kids started bringing dummy phones and tossing oh, yeah. them into the back. And, and, I, and I hate to say it, but it's half half of those dummy phones are planted by the parents. It's the parents that can't give it up more than the kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like participation trophies. The kids didn't ever really care. No. Well, that's another thing. I mean, we post every time at Elite Team, whether we're doing an obstacle course, a Santa yeah. slalom, you've got to post the time because it's motivating and guess what everybody knows who's fast it's yeah. not like you're hiding everybody and for the people that aren't fast that's a motivating tool hey jimmy's jimmy's getting a 14 you're getting a 16 where do you think jimmy's finding those two seconds right. use that as motivation because everybody knows who's fast right but then you swing it back hey you went from an 18 to a 17.5 you're improving how can we yeah. get to a 17 so use time to use that as a coach yeah the only problem that i have with you know i look at the norwegian model where up till 14 they won't place them right find them but they won't place them my problem with the u8 u10s as i told you going to california and watching the races was every parent on a live timing in actual ski racing um the results, when, when you say you don't want your kid to win if he's a U10, is because they keep on getting locked into bad line, bad habit, where they cheat to try and make a better time. And it's the exact opposite of learning what I consider great basics. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I totally agree with that. And. That's what I, 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 I'm so bummed that SkillsQuest wasn't more adopted. And I think SkillsQuest was, is changed into a competition. SkillsQuest, all I was was doing drills growing up. That's all it was is SkillsQuest. But it was more about perfecting the drill rather than a competition. So I'm really bummed that people don't understand the real reason behind drills slash SkillsQuest. Well, that's great. I want to ask you a couple of questions at Skills Quest about yeah. Skills Quest because I got to watch it um, where I am. We don't have Skills Quest. We just simply don't have the um, 
snow uh, on snow hours to add skills quests. Right. Right now, um, you know, racing with the weather and so forth, some of the weekend kids are getting only 50-50 as far as race and training. And right. it's impossible. It's counter to learning. You cannot learn if you're always competing. It's deeply right. inefficient. Um, you should not be competing 50% of the time you're skiing. That's right. just wrong. With the weather that, that we've gotten and across yeah. the United States, you know, it's been, you know, what's crazy is watching these uh, Christmas races. And I'm like, yeah. they have five days on snow, one free skiing, one slalom, one. But you must be, slalom. you must be talking older kids, right? Um, no, I, I'm talking, you know, you 14. Why would a U14 even be, get in a starting gate of a race until January something? That's just crazy to me. I guess I'm out of it. Well, I, I'm out of it as well. And, and, yeah. and sometimes, you know, what happened, what's happened now is the evolution of fall camps. Yeah, Colorado. Uh, Thanksgiving yeah. camps and then late yeah. summer camps in Austria and all these, these, you know, that you have yeah. to do that, um, you know, I'm still a retailer, and I'm fighting against because it's taken our sport to – Yeah. You can't afford to get into this awesome yeah. sport. And then in March, March 15th, the whole year, no one is skiing. Yeah. You know, for a whole yeah. month after that. Yeah, and that that usually is because, you know, other sports are moving forward as well. You know, we lose right. – I can't right. remember how many kids do soccer or so on and so forth. That's right. That's right. But anyhow, I just want anyhow. to uh, – Jump back to Elite for a second. Yeah. Um, what tips do you have for young kids that, that you know, if you took Doug Lewis, young Doug Lewis aside and, yeah. and said to him at Elite Camps, what do you say at your camp to, um, hey, this is what I want you to get out of this? Um, well, like, we'll have a, a theme. Okay. Uh, it's been Dig Deep. It's all relatively the same thing, but la you know, we've had uh struggle makes you stronger, dig deep. Um this year it was tougher, stronger, fitter, faster. So we we explain right off the bat our goal is to make you better athletes right. by being more complete athletes. And we're gonna talk about the mental side, we're gonna talk about the nutritional side, we'll talk about the physical side. And our goal is after each session, each week, each whatever, is you're gonna be tougher, stronger, fitter, faster. Mm-hmm. And um, and they buy into it. And I think the real challenge, the real thing that works for us is that we challenge these racers. Um, for one of the camps, we did 500 burpees in one day. 500 yeah. burpees is hard. and <laughs> But it was no problem because we as a group challenged them. We signed on to it as a goal, and we all did it with them, and we made it work. And talk about the confidence for the, each kid. You just did 500 burpees, you know, and right. that's like 1% of 1%. So really finding the appropriate challenge for for the group and for the mm-hmm. athlete is, is really motivating. And if, and if they buy into that goal set or buy into that challenge, uh, then, and, and you, you know, you as a coaching staff work at it, work at it too and have some skin in the game instead of just telling them to do 10, you know, getting into it and have a goal for yourself. They'll they'll buy into anything. If you right. make it exciting, appropriate, and just, you know, just tough enough and explain it, that's for sure. And these kids are looking for challenges. They're looking for um, to be pushed. 
And I, we never have a problem, uh, rarely have a problem getting kids to, to sign on. Right. To everything we're doing. Now, uh, along those lines, you had mentioned earlier, you had mentioned writing it down. Um, yeah. That the, the theme and everything. Um, uh, you know, in reviewing athletes and elite performers and a lot of the reading I've done, journaling has become a pretty big phenomenon, a high percentage of elite performers journal. Yeah. Um, a, did you journal as an athlete, and uh, do you encourage it with your elite camps? Yeah, so every night we uh, we, we give out a, about a 50-page booklet at Elite Team. It's called the Elite Team Notebook that has all the information that we cover. So if we're talking about focus or goal setting, it's, it's also in the book, so we'll read it. Um, so everything we teach is in the book to, so they can go home and read about it. Um, and but secondly, at night, we journal every night. You know, this is what's going – this is what we did. Um, so they have uh, – they start to learn how important it is to keep a, a journal of what they've done, how they felt, where they're going, you know, where they fell short, where they excelled. So, yeah, we journal every day at, at Elite Team. And as far as me personally, I, I have journals from GMBF still. And – they're so funny because I don't remember. Remember there was like the Vermont Cup and if you, no, Granite oh, yeah. Cup. Granite Cup. And if you got out of Granite Cup, you went to the Tobler Series. Or, Tobler I don't know. Series. Anyway, it was like, it was so funny. It was like on Tuesday, I'd be like, all right, Kirk said I'm skiing well. I'm going to go for the win so I can get out of Granite Cup and race Noram. You know, I'm going to go for that win. And then on Sunday, my journal was like, got 53rd, uh, quite a bit, quite <laughs> far out, but Kirk said I had two good turns, so I'm going to build on that. Like, my my brain was thinking I was winning when I was, like, a 50th placer. It was so funny my how my brain worked back then. So I, I, I thought I, I could win every week. I take that thought process and drop it into a couple of my kids. You know, I'm like, yeah. you know, how'd you do? Oh, I think yeah. you, you won the race. Yeah, yeah, but, and I'm like, dude, no, 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 you don't get to do that with me. How yeah. many great turns? How do you ski? I don't care yeah, yeah. about the time. Yeah, and, uh, that's one thing that that you can pass on, hopefully, to parents. You know, parents will say, "Oh, you know, Jimmy won every race," or you know, "How do you do this weekend?" Oh, he got third. That means nothing to me. That means yeah. absolutely nothing to me as a coach, and it should mean nothing as a coach too. How did he ski? How did his day go? You know, what was his preparation like? How are the terms? You know, yeah. it's amazing how we're asking the wrong questions or we're teaching kids to give us the wrong information. I, I as a coach, I have a rule and I tell my, my coach or my racers up front. Yeah. Um, I have no interest in making you one second faster. I have yeah. only interest in making you five seconds faster, which is yeah. a tenth a gate. Yeah. I will not look at your times. Or your results. Yeah. You know, I want to know how many great turns. Because the most disappointing thing for me as a coach is I get to see some great performances, and then they they screw up an undergate or blow up a yeah. hairpin. But they absolutely were on point ninety nine point nine percent of the day. Yeah. And the, you know, the shoulders are down, the chin is in the ground, and the parents are. We drove five hours. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's but that's a that's a parent thing. That's teaching about the process and 
Well, but yeah. for kids, I'm like, they got to go and say, I made a better turn today. I had a yeah. better strategy than I did yesterday. I can do this tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and, and I will say most parents are on that page as well. Okay, good. Um, you got a special set of parents. Never, I've never, no, I, because up front, I said, this is where our goal, I don't care if you're starting last, our goal is to get better tomorrow. I mean, for a coach to say, I don't want to look at any of the results, yeah. I, I'm a little bit off the reservation, you yeah. can imagine, at that point. Um, but, you know, it's about getting increment tomorrow and finding out what you did wrong today. Um, when, but anyhow, getting back to the journaling, uh, I have those journals yeah. back from GMBS as well. And uh, I, I can honestly say, Doug, mine weren't as positive. <laughs> <laughs> Although the Granny Cup, I got out of the Granny Cup for that Middlebury Ski Bowl. Yeah. Uh, got to my Chocolate Tobler series. I can't tell you how much, how big of a deal it was. Oh, man. I was so pissed. I think I raced the World Cup before I raced the Tobler. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Good times going back that far. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, uh, I wanted to ask you about you being an athlete if, if we have some time. Uh, no problem. I got, okay. I got. I can go to two. Okay, cool. Um, I when you trained, um, and looking back at how you trained, you were awesome to follow and and do that kind of stuff. And after I was been coaching with David Jodomsky and Nolan yeah. Casper and those guys, um, getting my athletes to understand how they approach each run, not wasting each run, taking time at the top of the course, trying to figure out, seeing the course literally three times in training before they waste the run. Right. How did you approach that? Um, I don't know who taught me it early on, but um, I think, and maybe because I ended up being the downhiller where you better visualize because you're going to die if you don't know every (laughs) part of the course. But um, I don't know where I learned it early on, probably at GMBS, probably at Kirk, but um, there was, for me, I don't know if I needed, because I was so motivated myself, self-motivated, but um, I had I had goals every day um, and what I wanted to accomplish, so every run became a chance to get there, so mm-hmm. um, I always, that was just part, of, I don't know where I learned it, but maybe it was at the Middle Bay Snowball growing up, you know, with those coaches, but I, I was I always had a goal and, and always had something that I was working on every run. And I can, I, I just know that at the bottom of each run, I would stop and, and evaluate it immediately either and either be psyched or be like, Oh, I got to do it again because I, you know, I, I messed up and I didn't hit the markers I wanted to. Cool. And I, and I think that, I think, I think that, very few people, like even Michaela, I'm sure that was learned from from Eileen and Jeff for sure. But teaching them about the start routine, even in training, and then what you do at the finish, even in training, is going to spill over. And if it becomes part of that culture, it becomes part of their culture. Yeah, it becomes automatic. It becomes automatic, and and it is, and and it starts early and. That's why it's so important to have good coaches at those um, U10, 
U8, U10, U12, because that's where it's learned. Yeah. That's yeah. where it's most, introduced, and that's where it's learned. Most most experts agree that a lot of habits become locked in by yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. So if you're starting there and getting the right, this is how you approach it, it really makes yeah. a difference. So. Um, what uh, this is a standard uh, interviewer question. What would a older Doug Lewis, if you could go back in time, tell uh, young Doug Lewis as an athlete? Um, I'd probably tell him not to be so cocky. I think I was a cocky SOB for sure. Uh, but that that was part of me. Yeah. Um, I I think my biggest problem was. Um, through a lot of um, not just one way, in many ways, um, I I had a tough time. It was easier for me to get to the top. I had a fast rise. First World Cup at 17, first Olympics at 20, won the medal at 21, was in the first seat at 22. Um, and that, that went very well, and, and my rise was great. But what I needed help was to stay up there because yeah. I was not prepared for the struggle, the the, the step down that was going to happen. And I, that's where I needed more support, not only from myself, uh, but from the C team and from my the GMVS and maybe my parents. So I guess my advice for Doug Lewis at age 20, still on the rise, is do not ever – take this for granted and it will you will struggle you will stumble and mm-hmm. that's the time you need to look in the mirror and, and be your best um and be the most honest with yourself you're not skiing well how do i how do i reach out for help and how do i help myself so knowing that there's going to be a cliff you're going to fall off here and there and being prepared for it yeah i i my rise was so fast and so meteoric that I was not prepared for the time. Thanks for listening to our first podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and let us know what you think. And we will try and get a bunch more episodes out uh, before too long. Thank you.